in the scriptures. So like I said, that a believer that does not study the word of God, in fact, rightly study the word of God, should not expect spiritual maturity. Should not expect spiritual growth. See, spiritual growth is not a prayer point. It does not come by osmosis. It does not come by prophecy. Spiritual growth is a personal responsibility. Hallelujah. It's a personal responsibility. Nobody grows by prayer alone. And in fact, you will not pray right if you don't study the word of God. Because in the word of God, you are taught how to pray. Hallelujah. He says, so that you may grow into the perfect man. You may grow into the perfect man. Spiritual growth comes by word study. See, we, 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 we have to emphasize this thing. How men must study the Bible must be emphasized. So we don't just wake up and tell people, study your Bible. I bless you, Lord, for you are holy. Forever you are God. I bless you, Jesus. I bless you, Lord, for you are holy. Forever you are God. Forever, Lord. I bless you, Lord, you are holy. Father, we thank you. Daddy, we appreciate you. We are grateful, Lord. We are grateful for you, for how you father us, for, for how you take care of us. We are grateful, Daddy. We thank you, mighty God. Thank you that, Lord, you edify us, you transform us. My God, you enrich us through the word. And Lord, this morning, it is our desire that once again cause our eyes to see clearly. Make our faith to be strengthened in the name of Jesus. That by the word and by the spirit may there be, O oh God, a flood of the revelation of Christ in our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to see you better. We want to know you more, mighty God. 
by the word and the spirit of God make that our experience this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every vessel connected right now. Wherever they are joining me from, Lord, I pray for them that in the name of Jesus, they will know the hope to which they have been called. I pray that they will come to the revelation of the exceeding greatness of your power at work in their lives and that they have been placed far above in the name of Jesus, seated in the heavenly places with Christ in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Come on, shout aloud. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25. The Bible says, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. The Bible says, Yet deep in my heart I'm confident that I will be spared so I can add to your joy and further strengthen and mature your faith. I love that verse. I will add to your joy and further strengthen and mature your faith. Now, this is Paul. Uh, you know, we've, we, 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 we normally quote this verse. Uh, this is Paul. He's writing a letter to the church at Philippi whilst in prison. Remember Acts chapter 16 verse 25, Paul and Silas. So he wrote this letter to this church. And from 20, verse 20, he begins talking about how that he wants Christ to be glorified in his life, whether it be by freedom or bondage or uh, alive or dead, that Christ should be glorified. And he goes on to talk about the fact that he lives for Christ, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But then Paul is also telling this church that, you know, I am in between. Should I go? Should I stay? But I would rather go and be with Christ. You know, but then he gets to verse 25 and he makes this very important statement. He says, I am confident. Deep in my heart, there is confidence that I'm going to be alive. I will stick around for three things. And the first thing he says is that so I can add to your joy. Praise the name of Jesus. I can add to your joy. The second thing is that so that I can further, you know, strengthen your faith. And then the third thing is that I mature your faith. Praise the name of Jesus. That I can strengthen your faith. I can add to your joy. I can strengthen your faith. And I can mature your faith. So Paul puts across to you and I the things we should look out for when we sit down in a teaching of the word of God. He says, my joy should be favored. Praise the Lord. My joy should be favored. So, joy will obviously come as I discover myself in Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. As I go on to discover who I am in Christ. Listen, the Christian faith is essentially a faith of discovery. Praise the name of Jesus. A discovery in knowledge. Glory to God. This is why Paul prays in Ephesians 1 verse 17 down to 21. In Colossians 1, 9 to 12. In Philemon 1, verse 6. I will take those verses again. I said Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. Colossians 1, 9 to 12. Philemon 1 and verse 6. He literally prays the same prayer. 
And what is that prayer? That men may know what they have in Christ, who they are in Christ. So the Christian faith is a knowledge-based faith. Praise the name of Jesus. And so the duty of every believer is to discover themselves. Glory to God. Is to discover themselves in Christ. And so our faith, or rather our joy, is is, is uh, steered up as we discover ourselves in Christ. The more we know ourselves, the more rooted we become in joy. Listen, joy is not something that we go looking out for. Joy is something that we have in Christ. But knowledge is what steers up that joy. Did you get that? Joy is embedded in us because of Christ in us. But that joy is steered up through knowledge. So the more I know, the, the, the joyful I live, praise the Lord, the more joyful I become. The more I know, the more joyful I become. So Paul says, the first assignment I have to the body of Christ is to add to their joy. And how do I add to their joy? By teaching them the word. Glory to God. So these are things we should expect. That every time I hear the word of God, joy must be steered up. Glory to God. So, listen to me. If I hear a sermon and it kills my joy, it is not the gospel. Did you get me? If it affects the joy life, my joy life, it is not the gospel. Because Paul has clearly told us that as he teaches us, he adds to our joy. Praise the name of Jesus. So, any gospel, any message, let me not use the word gospel, any message that affects your joy negatively is not the gospel of God. Hallelujah. So the second thing he talks about is that he strengthens. Okay? He strengthens. In Colossians chapter, let's, let's read that verse. Colossians chapter 1, rather Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. He says that I may strengthen your faith. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. The Bible says, In the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah by faith, it says, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with Him. Verse 7, he says, Your spiritual roots go deeply into His life, as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way, for you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to Him. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? He says, in the same way you have received Jesus, He says, continue in your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with Him. So, what Paul is saying here, two things. He says, continue. So, what you know about Christ, continue living by it. And then don't just stay at one position. What you knew yesterday, he says, progress further. Glory to God. Progress further into your union, into your faith with Christ. So, Paul says, aside from adding to your joy, I want to strengthen your faith. What you know, strengthen your conviction so you know that you are righteous by faith. I want you to get to a point where you are convinced that even if an angel came and says you have lost your righteousness, 
you will say, I'm convinced. Glory to God. My faith is strengthened. I know that my righteousness is by faith in Christ Jesus. So he says that's his duty. And the third thing he talks about is to mature your faith. So to grow. In this Colossians 2, 6, he says, progressing further into your union with him, your spiritual roots going deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength. So three things that you must look out for. Is my joy affected positively when I listen to the word of God? Number two, are my, are my beliefs, my, 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 the things that I hold on to as truth, are they further strengthened? And then thirdly, am I experiencing growth? Hallelujah. That's the whole essence of going to church. See, going to church or listening to sermons is not so you can feel good. It's not so you can be hyped and motivated. It's so you can be grown or you can be matured. Praise the name of Jesus. You can be groomed to growing. The Bible says uh, in, in Ephesians, let's, let's read that verse as well. Ephesians chapter 4. These are verses, if you've been around, these are verses we, we consistently read. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, beginning, and I'll be very fast. Verse 11 says, And he has appointed with some grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling, listen, oh, that's beautiful. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry and as they do this they will enlarge and build up the body of christ he says these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith until we all experience the fullness of what is it means to know the son of god and finally we become one into a perfect man with full dimensions of spiritual maturity, glory to God, and fully developed into the abundant, abundance of Christ. You know, I like, I like uh, this rendition of the uh, Passion Translation. It says, it, says, it says, to a perfect man with full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed. Now, you know that when it comes to human growth, you know, when, it, when, a, when a, a, a human being is conceived in the womb of a woman, they are not fully developed, right? It's a fetus. We call it a fetus. And then it goes through a process. I think, if I'm not mistaken, is that gestation period where the child in the womb, the fetus in the womb is developing. Do you get so, so body parts begin to develop. It starts as an egg, which begins to develop. It grows, it grows, L legs come out, hands come out, the heart begins to grow, you know, other body parts begin to grow till maturity. So, maturity of that fetus is after nine months when it is ready to come out. It has matured to come out. But again, when it comes out of the womb, the child is given birth to, he has to develop, she has to develop. So, you don't expect a child that grew, that was born today, to be able to run and walk. Or, or, or a child that was born today to have beards. No, you don't. So, development takes place. So, Paul says, the essence of, of being ministered to is so you can be developed. Okay? Just the same way that fetus is developed from the day of conception to, to the day of birth. 
or, or yeah, of delivery. The same thing ha- happens in our Christian faith. So, you are in a wrong place if you don't see development in your spiritual life. If you don't see development in your faith, you are in a wrong place. Did you get that? You are in a wrong place. You are not in, 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 the, in the right model of a church as Christ prescribed. Glory to God. He gave gifts so that men might be developed. So that men might grow. Praise the name of Jesus. And so, you are here so that you can be developed. Glory to God. So that you can grow. So that you can be strengthened. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you excited? Hallelujah. So this month onwards, not just this month, rather, actually, I meant to say June, um, we're going to be taking on a series. I'm sure you can see the the flyer on on the platform. Uh, We're going to be taking on a series, The Gospel About God. Praise the name of Jesus. And it's going to be a marathon series. What I mean by a marathon series is that we're not limited to the four Sundays of uh, June. We're going to take this uh, for quite some time because it's going to be an in-depth study. Praise the name of Jesus. Remember what our goal is to stir up your joy, to strengthen your faith, and to mature your faith. Praise the name of Jesus. So be ready for that. And um, you have to partner with us. How do I mean partner with us? Come prepared every day. I'm beginning from next week. Let me just make this announcement um, 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 before I start teaching. Beginning from next week, every Saturday will be our prayer and fasting day. We're going to be preparing for uh, Sunday through prayer and fasting from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, every Saturday. And then we're going to have, uh, we're going to, uh, have prayer times, praise the name of Jesus, um, those prayer times for now are going to be virtual, online, praise the name of Jesus. So we'll pray together uh, in preparation for Sunday. Glory to God. We pray for the word of God. We pray for people that are coming. We pray for ourselves. We prepare ourselves spiritually. Glory to God. So yeah, the gospel of God part one. With your books and your pens ready, let's get into the word of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you excited? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just pray in the language of the Spirit for the next 30 seconds. Karabadosh. Rabados. Tele prokotombe ridi ato. Keveridi ateneko non de leko doze legardige. Ratoje dige atombe ligi basudi gida batoze. Bele kutiki bashato palabatane ndekede. Ratoze gida atoshe. Labaziza galakato. Ratonde lekune niniga batona. Talosha. We are ready, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And two, Romans chapter one, verse one and two. Praise the name of Jesus. Unfortunately, um, the chat section is is locked on the platform, so we might not be able to post verses and all that. Romans chapter one, verse one and two. It says, "Paul, a loving and loyal servant of the Anointed One, Jesus." He called me to be his apostle 
and set me apart with a mission to reveal God's wonderful gospel. Praise the Lord. Take note of that phrase, God's wonderful gospel. Verse 2, my commission is to preach the good news. Yet it is not entirely new, but the fulfillment of the hope promised to us through his prophets in the sacred scriptures. Let's also read it in the the KJV. Let's also read it there. KJV. Hallelujah. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures. Concerning, verse 3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Hallelujah. So now, Paul says something. In verse 2 and sorry, verse 1 and verse 2, he brings out certain words that we're going to take time to study beginning from today. He says, There is what is called the gospel of God. I am separated unto the gospel of God. Praise the Lord. And then he says, This gospel of God, he promised it by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And then number three, the other thing we should consider is the fact that he says this gospel is concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. So for most part of our study, we're going to examine those words, those phrases. The gospel of God, which was promised, and it's about Jesus, the son of God. Hallelujah. It's about Jesus, the son of God. So one of the things you have to understand uh, about the book of Romans is that Paul was preaching the gospel. Like, this is where uh, you will get to learn more about the gospel of grace in this book, in, or rather in this letter that he writes to, um, to, to the Romans. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, um, to begin with, I would like to mention this. I would like to mention this, uh, which is uh, written in the in the in the passion translation of verse 2 if you have the passion translation of verse 2 you will see this he says my commission is to preach the good news yet it is not entirely new i want to start with that part where he says the gospel is not entirely new praise the name of jesus now i have heard so many people that talk about the gospel of christ the gospel of grace and say it's a new dispensation message you know Oh, these preachers that are preaching this new grace gospel. You know, they are misleading people, A, B, C, D, and all that. But one of the things that you will discover as you read through the Bible, you will discover that, yes, the gospel is actually good news, because that's what the word gospel means. uh, Too good to be true news. However, it is not new news. It is good news, but it is not new news. It is good news, but it is not a new dispensation message. Praise the name of Jesus. And this is something that we must understand. And we're going to see it in this uh, teaching. That the gospel is not something that just came after Christ uh, died and rose. Or rather, it is not a message that started in our day. He says it is not an entirely new news. In, in, the, in, the, in the KJV, he speaks of the fact that this message was promised. Hallelujah. The gospel of God 
was promised by God through the apostle, oh, sorry, through the, 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 the prophets. And this was the message of the scriptures. Now, the word scriptures um, actually is translated from the word that means writings, okay? And, and you're going to see why I'm bringing this up. It's, it, it is translated from the word that means writings. Now, when Paul talks about scriptures in all of his letters, in all of his letters, he's talking about writings. Now, in the time of the New Testament uh, or post-resurrection era, there, were no, uh, there was no uh, compilation of the New Testament. So, in other words, there were no writings. Okay? There were no writings. So, even when Paul writes a letter, like this Roman letter, it was not a letter that was available to everybody. It was going to be read you know, in the, in, the, in the temples, in the synagogue, it was, it was going to be read, okay? So whenever Paul is speaking about um, scriptures, in other words, he's talking about writings, he was talking about things that were written. And at that time, the only books that were written were the Old Testament books, praise the name of Jesus. So when Paul says, the gospel of God was promised according to the scriptures. He's saying this gospel was actually written in the Old Testament books. So when we read in this, uh, the verse that we just read, uh, the Romans 1, 1 and 2, where he says, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, what he's saying is that this gospel has not started or was not started by me or in my time, rather it was promised in the Old Testament. Praise the name of Jesus. It was promised, and so we say, it is not a New Testament message, or it is not an entirely new message. This is the message that Moses taught. And you're going to see that. This is the message that Joshua was trying to bring out. This is the message that Nehemiah was trying to bring out. So the message of the gospel is not a new message. Praise the name of Jesus. So listen, uh, if you go out on evangelism and you are preaching to people and somebody is like, Oh, so you are those people that preach this new gospel. Tell them no. The gospel is not a new message. It is the message that Moses taught. The Bible tells us that this is the message that was taught by the prophet. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Now, one of the things uh, I also want us to understand is that whenever we are presenting biblical truths, we must have sufficient evidence to defend our position. Praise the name of Jesus. That's why I, I said um, that when we come to church, we should not come to to be motivated. See, a lot of believers are ineffective in ministry because they do not understand why they are in church. And that's why I started with Philippians 1.25 to explain to you that your expectation from every Christian gathering must be, you know, your joy life. It must be the strength of your faith. must be the progression of your faith. If this is not taking place, you are not in church. Okay, you are in a club where you are just playing and having fun. Do you get? Because why must this take place? Why must your faith be strengthened? Because you are in ministry. Praise the name of Jesus. 
you are in ministry and so you must be trained for the ministry and you ought to be effective in that ministry praise the name of Jesus you ought to be effective in that ministry and so to be effective you must have sufficient evidence for whatever it is that you believe remember um, uh, 1 Peter 3.15 you must be ready to give an answer to everybody that questions your hope glory to God so sufficient evidence is an essential part of your faith life have enough evidence uh, regarding whatever it is that you are talking about so first corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 first corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 it says moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what i preached unto you unless ye have believed in vain Four, verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all. I'm going to come back to that phrase, first of all. Which, uh, sorry, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to what? The scriptures. I, I, I have just explained that. According to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures praise the name of jesus so he tells us to say the death the burial and the resurrection are actually the first and most important aspects of the gospel above all things he says but these were also talked about in the scriptures let's read it from the uh, let's read from verse 3 to verse 5 from the passion translation it says in verse 3, For I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. Utmost importance. And what is that? It says, The Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of the scriptures. Verse 4, He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days as foretold in the scriptures. So, two things that I, 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 I want to talk about there is that he says, you know, what is of utmost importance in every message? He says, the fact that Christ died for our sins. We are going to get to all this and we'll look at it in depth. Christ died for our sins and then he says, Christ was buried and he rose. But then he says, all this was in the scriptures. Praise the name of Jesus. So, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was only a fulfillment of what had already been spoken about. Glory to God. And this is why, when you go to the book of Acts chapter 3, let's go there, Acts chapter 3 and verse 13, sorry, verse 17, before I say what I want to say, let's read. Acts chapter 3, verse 17. So, like I said, um, we have to have sufficient evidence. So, please, you are going to open the Bible in this series. You are going to open your Bible. So, have your Bible. Yeah, it's, you're, you're, you'll be uh, advantaged if you're actually using a digital Bible because you'll be faster. Okay, so Acts chapter 3 verse 17, the Bible says, My fellow Jews, I realize that neither you nor your leaders realize the grave mistake you made 
He says, but in spite of what you have done, God has fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets long ago about the sufferings of his anointed one. And now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed and so that the times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. Verse 18, you see what he says, God has fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets long ago about the sufferings of the anointed one now i want i want us to uh, there's something i want to say but i want us to see it from the scriptures let's go to kjv again verse 17 kjv verse 17 he says in verse 17 and now brethren i watch that through ignorance that was the word i wanted to bring out that through ignorance ye did it as did also your rulers. So he's now writing to the Jews. Now it's so interesting here that Paul is writing to the Jews who were the custodians of the Old Testament. Okay, of the law. They had these books. They had the writings of Moses. So he says to them, guys, the crucifixion that you guys carried out was as a result of your ignorance. How sure am I that it was a result of your ignorance? The things that you actually did were written about. Praise the name of Jesus. So the, when, 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 when Portius Pilate presented Jesus and Barabbas before the Jews and he says, who should I free? And they went on to say, um, free Barabbas, crucify Jesus. It was an act of ignorance. Why? Because all that was written. You know, like my pastor, uh, Pastor Aaron, will always say that a believer that does not know Christ today would have joined the Jews in the days of Jesus' life on earth to condemn Jesus. Praise the Lord. And actually, be a believer today that, that negates the realities in Christ, denies Christ. Did you get what I said? Or rather, let me put it this way. A believer that, that you know, denies what Christ has done through his death, burial, and resurrection, denies Christ. It's not a doctrine that you are denying. It's Christ himself that you deny. So, such a one could have actually joined the Jews in saying, free Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Are you getting me? So, Paul, so rather, in Acts 3, Peter tells the Jews, he says, you did that out of ignorance. Why? Because the death of Jesus that you, you did or you carried out was actually foretold. Praise the name of Jesus. It was foretold. It is not something that just happened. So, in other words, Jesus' life, which we are going to see later on, Jesus' life on earth was a fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus came to fulfill what the Jews knew already. They knew, but they were ignorant. And this, is, this happens, you know, this happens. And that's why the Bible tells us that we must meditate on the word of God. We must give ourselves holy. Why? Because people forget. They forget that they are righteous. They are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so they go about living in condemnation. Why? Because they don't give themselves holy to the word of God. 
So as a believer, you ought to give yourselves wholly because you will forget and it's normal. I think, uh, is it, is it uh, Martin Luther King who says, I, I, I preach righteousness by faith to my members every Sunday because they forget every week. And Paul in several uh, letters that he wrote, he would say, for me it is not burdensome to write this again and again to you. So the believer must realize that ignorance will always lead them to deny Christ. Which is what made the Jews to deny Christ. Because everything that happened in the, in the, in the earthly life of ministry was simply a fulfillment of what was written. So that's why we are saying the gospel is not a new message. The gospel was foretold. First Peter chapter 1. And verse 10. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Hallelujah. I, I, I want to show us um, enough evidence for you. If at all there is anybody that would want to doubt that is listening to me right now. I want you to have this sufficient evidence that the New Testament writers actually affirmed that yes, the gospel is not a new message. Praise the name of Jesus. That the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ were not something that was new. And we're going to see, again we'll go to the Old Testament where we're going to exhume um, evidence that yes indeed, Paul was right when he says the gospel is according to the scriptures. First Peter chapter 1 verse 10, he says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come Unto you, verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Verse 12, and to them it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost. Oh, unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So his, Peter also tells the, 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 the guys that were in exile, he says, see, this gospel, the prophets inquired of the time that the Spirit of Christ was actually beckoning to. He was not talking about that time, but rather he was talking about now. So it was a promise, it was a, something that was spoken about then. That would happen in future. So the gospel is not a new message. Hallelujah. The gospel is not a new doctrine. The gospel is not something we hear about today. And say, oh, new dispensation message. Praise the name of Jesus. The gospel was, was preached in the Old Testament. The gospel was a message that the Old Testament folks listened to, heard. Jesus also affirms that. Let's read, read uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 27. Luke 24, verse 25. I'm, I'm sure by now, if at all you, you had doubts, okay, that Jesus was not preached in the Old Testament... Now you have evidence. 
praise the name of Jesus that his death, his burial, and his resurrection was the message of the Old Testament. Okay? It was the message of the Old Testament. The Bible tells us to say, it says, I'm from a child, 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3 verse 14, 15, I'm from a child, ye have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Wise unto salvation. Remember scriptures, writings, which are the Old Testament, and they are able to make you wise unto salvation. Now, salvation only comes through the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God because it is the power of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. So the gospel is the only source of salvation, right? And Paul says, the scriptures make you wise unto salvation. So, in the, go- in the Old Testament, you have the gospel, which makes us wise unto salvation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? So, in Luke chapter 24, verse 25, the Bible says, Then he said unto them, O fools of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. Which prophets? Old Testament prophets. Verse 26, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Hallelujah. So now Jesus is telling these two guys on their way to Emmaus. He says, what were the prophets, uh, what did the prophets speak about? He says, they spoke about the sufferings of Christ. And then the glories he was to enter into. And in verse 27, it now says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he explained founded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself beginning from Moses beginning from Moses you see there's a funny theology that people have they say the Bible is divided in three segments so they say from Genesis to Malachi that was the time of God so you see God said God told God did God did and then they now say from Matthew to John is the time of Jesus so you have Jesus, the Son. And then the, after Jesus uh, rose and went to heaven, they now talk about, oh, it's the time of the Holy Ghost. So we are now in the time of the Holy Ghost. That's error. Praise the Lord. That's error. Because right in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make man. Okay? Let us make man. He was, it was the Trinity involved there. But here now Christ tells us to say, beginning from Moses, and I think we've explained what... Uh, the Bible means when it says beginning from Moses, it's actually talking about the first book of, uh, of Moses, which is Genesis, right? Moses wrote the first five books, Genesis to Deuteronomy. So, so when Jesus says beginning, or rather when Luke says beginning from Moses, what he means is that beginning from Genesis, Jesus did what? He explained, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures in all the scriptures the things concerning him and he's already told us you know he's already explained the things what are those things the suffering of christ and the glory he was to enter into praise the name of jesus and paul explained the utmost important aspects of the gospel in first corinthians 15 that we just read he says what were those things that christ died according to the scriptures and he was buried and on the third day he rose according to the scriptures so when the bible speaks about the gospel those are the utmost things utmost 
important things of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And obviously, we now look at the implication of all those things, which we are going to look at in this series. Why did Christ die? And what benefit is it to you, to me? Why was he buried? What benefit is it to you and to me? He rose. Of what benefit is it to me? So he poses that's the important thing. And Christ here says, Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and thereafter enter his glory. Luke 24, the very Luke 24, let's go jump to verse 45. Jump to verse 45. Or actually, let's start from verse 44. He says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Praise the name of Jesus. He says, these are the things, these are the things that I told you about that must be fulfilled. And what are those things? The things written in the law of Moses. So the law of Moses talked about Jesus. The prophets talked about Jesus. The Psalms talked about Jesus. So it is important that even when we are studying the word of God, we lay emphasis on the things that Jesus and the the apostles laid emphasis on. You see, that's why we always say this, and I will say it. If you are listening to me for the first time, um, in in future you are going to understand, we will explain this. But not everything that is in this book called Bible is the word of God. So don't lift your Bible and say this is the word of God. Not everything. Praise God. Not everything. We're going to learn that as we proceed. And then in verse 45, he now says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Glory to God. Verse 46, And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and ye and ye are witnesses of these things and behold I send the promise of my father unto you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high so Jesus tells them to say come on these things that you are seeing here these things were spoken about Moses the law of Moses spoke about them praise the name of Jesus the law of Moses spoke about them so Paul was not the first man to preach the gospel. Okay? Now, we're, we're going to get to something that differentiates the way Paul preached the gospel and the way the Old Testament prophets did. Glory to God. But he was not the first person to preach the gospel. Praise the name of Jesus. Remember, we are, we are talking about the fact that the scriptures spoke about this. That the gospel is not entirely new. Glory to God is not entirely new. And I'm just providing you with sufficient evidence that if anybody says this is a new dispensation message, you have enough evidence to say no. Acts chapter 26, verse 22. Are you learning something? Ha 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 ha. Acts chapter, chapter 26 and verse 22. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Kala tomonande kebas torobedige. Acts chapter 26 and verse 22. 
Thank you, Jesus. Verse 22. He says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than though... Oh, I, I, I love this verse. I, I love it a lot. He says, Saying none, or, none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Praise the name of Jesus. He says, what I'm talking about is not something that is new. Moses spoke about it. You know, and, and you know what makes all this beautiful is this. You know, most of the time when people preach about Moses or from Moses, they 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 hinge so much on the law. They hinge so much on on the on the on the curses, you know, on the punishments. But Paul comes up and says, "Listen to me. Moses and I didn't teach a different message. Okay, didn't teach a contradicted message. What Moses taught is what I teach. Now, if you read in." read the writings of Paul, you will see Paul, the clarity of Paul's message. It, it was basically, you know, salvation through faith, you know. But Paul comes and says, guys, I didn't teach anything different from what Moses also taught. So, in other words, if Paul's central message was salvation through faith, you know, righteousness by faith, forgiveness, Eternal forgiveness, eternal salvation, uh, eternal security of our salvation. Then that was the same message Moses taught. In verse 23, he says that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. That was the message that Moses taught too. Glory to God. This is why we say not everything in the, word, in the Bible is the word of God. So Paul comes out here and singles out the central message, the God-inspired message that Moses taught. Let's see another verse in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. So like I told you, this is going to be a marathon teaching and you have to be ready. That's why I, I have also said every Saturday we pray and fast because I know that people have the tendency to lose concentration I don't want any of you to lose concentration in this series because you're going to write an exam. <laughs> I'm just joking. So, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter, chapter 1, verse 1, beginning. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the words verse 3 who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high verse 4 being made so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, he says two things here. In verse 1, he says how the message of God was relayed to men. He says he spoke by the prophets, right? 
He spoke by the prophets, which we have established here to say, in the Old Testament, uh, you find the prophecies about Christ. So, in verse 1 of Hebrews, the Bible tells us to say, God spoke to people through the prophets. So, the message of God was conveyed through men in the Old Testament. And then in verse 2, he now says, but has in these last days, he's not talking about now just, but he's talking about post-Christ or rather Christ's time and post-Christ's time, that he's spoken to us through the Son. In other words, you want to know the message of God that, the prof- that he spoke to, to, to men through the prophets, you look at Christ. Are you getting me? So, to the men in the Old Testament, to the people in the Old Testament, he spoke through the prophets. So the message of God was conveyed through the prophets. But now, has in these last days, which are the days of Christ, so it, these last days, he, he has spoken to us through the Son. That is, the message that the prophets were trying to convey, God has spoken or has revealed it through Christ. Uh, am, I, am I making sense? Hallelujah. He says he has spoken it through Christ. So, Everything that God was actually trying to talk about through the prophets, we will know it better in Christ. So in other words, the message of God that he was speaking to the Israelites through the prophets can be clearly understood in Christ's life. And so we can categorically say that the message of God in the Old Testament is the life of Christ. Okay? Let me put... I, 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 actually, this should be able to help you understand what I meant when I said not everything in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, is the Word of God. Now, the message God spoke in verse 1 and... Oh, sorry, in chapter 1, verse 1 of Hebrews, through the prophets... Is the same message God spoke in chapter 1, verse 2 of Hebrews, but this time he speaks it through the Son. Praise the name of Jesus. So listen to me. If the message of God is conveyed to us through Christ, according to verse 2, then the message of God in verse 1 that he spoke through the prophets was about Christ. So the message of God in the entire Bible Old Testament and New Testament is about Christ. Am I making sense? And then he goes on to say in verse verse 3, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and now, are you getting me now? He says Christ is actually the brightness of his glory. That is, Christ reveals God. He reveals it expressly. So now, in the Old Testament, he spoke through the prophets, but then it didn't come out clear. So it was in shadows. It was in lambs. It was in events. You know, the Exodus. It was in the creation story. But now he has said he has spoken that message in clear terms in Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. In Christ. Do you get it? He says he's the, he's the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself 
purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So the message that the prophets were trying to preach was the message of the forgiveness, which he has said he had purged our sins. And he has sat. That was the message that the prophets were trying to convey, but they could not bring it out in clear terms. But now Christ has expressly expressed it. <laughs> Glory to God. Am I, am I making sense? He has expressly expressed it. So what Moses was actually trying to, to convey was that, hey, guys, in Christ, you are going to be forgiven. Praise the name of Jesus. Joshua does the same. The judges do the same. Samuel was doing this. So the message is not, see, it was not the stories. Later on, I'm going to do a teaching on how to excavate Christ and grace from the Old Testament. But you see, the message of the Old Testament were not those stories that people like to center on. So you are talking about Joseph. Joseph was not the message Paul, uh, Moses was trying to, to bring out. It was Christ in that story. It was grace in that story. And actually, um, when you read the Old Testament and you see how God used men like Moses, Joseph, uh, Abraham, David, you see the message of grace through them that God would actually take a, a, a man like Adam Oh, a man like Abraham, use him, even though Abraham was, a, a, was an adulterous man. He was a liar. So you see the message of grace, which is still the message of Christ. Praise the Lord. So the central message of Moses were not those stories. The central message was Christ. Hallelujah. The central message was still Christ. So even when Moses was writing about the creation story, his aim was not to bring out the creation story, but Christ. That's a story for another day. You know, when he writes about Adam and Eve being sent out, Adam and Eve being clothed, he was still talking about the message of Christ. However, it was in shadows. It was in hidden forms, which we're going to see later on as we go on. So now, when the writer of Hebrews tells us, he says, in time past, he spoke through the prophets but these prophets did not come out clean because they didn't actually know you know so they didn't come out clean they didn't come out clearly but he has in this time spoken to us through christ so when i read about christ i see clearly the message Paul, uh, moses was trying to teach so that's why paul tells you to say listen to me what I teach, Acts chapter 26, verse 22-23, what I am teaching is what Moses was also teaching. However, I, my own is clear, is clear because it is through Christ, in Christ that I teach. However, Moses was a prophecy. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Are we together? So, you see, that's, that's what Hebrews 1 one to four is actually talking about. It's actually talking about, let me put it this way, it's talking about progression of revelation. That in verse one, he's talking about a, 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 how that God spoke through men, but obviously this was not clear. Even the people themselves, remember First Peter 1 and 10 to 12 that we read, they never knew. Do you get? They were prophesying about something that they were anticipating. It was a prophecy. But now, he says, in Christ, it has been expressly 
revealed. Glory to God. So the more I see Christ, the more I learn about Christ, the clear, the clearly, or the clearer I actually know the message that Moses conveyed. Praise the name of Jesus. Now let me also mention this because uh, uh, it will also help in what I'm saying. You see, the the New Testament, okay, the New Testament are what I would say um, explanations. Of the Old Testament. Because these guys. Paul never had. Uh, uh, reference materials. Aside from the Old Testament. Okay. So now. When Paul. When the Bible tells us in several instances. Like let, let's read this, this instance. In uh, Acts chapter 17 and verse, 20, verse 2. Acts 17 and verse 2 and 3. Let's read this instance. And then I will say what I wanted to say. Acts 17 verse 2 and 3. It says, it says, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the what? The scriptures. Do you get? Out of the scriptures, verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So, he says, According uh, as his manner was, he went into the synagogue for three Sabbath days. And what did he do? He reasoned with them for three days from the scriptures. From the scriptures. So, and then he, what was the reasoning? That Christ must suffer. And that that same Jesus they killed is the Christ. So in other words, what, what I'm trying to say is that the reference materials for the writings of the apostles in the New Testament are the Old Testament books. They never had any special book that they used to write those letters. So when they are writing those letters, they were making reference to the writings of the Old Testament. So the preaching of the gospel that Paul did, he preached from the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He preached from the Old Testament. He says he reasoned with them out of the scriptures, out of the writings. He reasoned with them. He reasoned with them. So the, 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 the Jews, you know, would not deny the fact that Moses was, uh, uh, Paul was preaching the truth because Moses did, uh, Paul did not go to look for uh, uh, extra biblical materials. He got the, the, the Genesis they knew. He got the Micah they knew. He got the, the Psalms. He got the Isaiah they knew. And he read from there. And he says, Christ, these books, the, the central message is that Christ was to suffer. And that's why we read that Peter told them outrightly, you did this out of ignorance. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. So you have to understand that the gospel is not a new message. Okay? And, and you see, we will re-emphasize this, we will teach this again and again for one simple purpose. That it should be in our heart and spirit that we are not bringing a new message but rather we are preaching the message of the Bible and that's the only message that there is hallelujah praise the name of Jesus so the gospel is not new news it is rather good news okay and what that simply means is that Paul was not propagating a message that started with him. You know, a lot of people say, 
Paul was the minister of grace. He was the he was the apostle of grace. He came no. Paul, yes, he preached that, but he was not the initiator of that message. Okay? He was not and he himself says, I didn't preach anything different from what Moses preached or what the prophets preached. Glory to God. And we've just seen from Hebrews there to say what the prophets were trying to speak was revealed in Christ. And what did Christ reveal? The message of the Old Testament. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's get back to the verse that we read and then we, we pick it up from there. I told you, I'm going to re-emphasize this. It's a marathon teaching. So we will be spending an hour plus in some instances. If the Spirit leads us in another direction, we spend two hours just explaining the Bible. Praise the name of Jesus. But I know you are enjoying this. Let's get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's start from verse 3. Verse 3, let's for time's sake. It says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Now, I said I was going to get back to that phrase, first of all. Now, you see, Paul in that verse says, um, Christ was to die according to the scriptures. And we've explained what that means. But he says that, that phrase, he says, first of all. In, 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 what he's trying to say here is that, even in the scriptures... The message that was first of all, every other message you could think of, was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. See, first of all, messages. You know, the TPT calls it the utmost important. It says it was the death, it was the burial, it was the resurrection of Jesus. So that's why I told you that when you read the Old Testament... The, the important thing in Genesis 1.1 or Genesis... Okay, yeah, let's say it that way. Genesis 1.1 is not God created... Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No. That was not the most important thing. In that verse, he's actually talking about Christ's union with the world or with the believer. Okay? We're not going to dwell on that. But what I'm trying to tell you is that even in the Old Testament, just as we think that in the New Testament... The salvation message is the most important message. In the Old Testament, it is also the most important message. The gospel of God is the most important message. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. It's the most important message. And that's why I said I'm going to do a teaching later as we go on. Uh, where I will teach us how to excavate Christ. Or the message or the gospel out of the Old Testament. There are prophets, there are prophecies, promises, there are events, okay? You know, there are attitudes that you will see the grace of God in the Old Testament. And we're going to learn that um, uh, with time. Praise the name of Jesus. So now, we've been looking at the fact that, you know, the Old Testament uh, does not have a contradictory message you know, um, and, and so, and so, um, uh, like we said, you know, that for whatever we claim to believe, we must have sufficient evidence, right? We must have sufficient knowledge 
So we're going to get to the Old Testament. Now that we have said the, the, the message about Christ was according to the scriptures. So Paul preached according to the Old Testament. Can we prove that from the Old Testament? Do you get me? So it's like, let's say we are in court and, and then we're now saying, oh, the gospel is not a new message. It was talked about in the Old Testament. And we start to bring out what Paul said, uh, what Jesus said, what Peter said. Now they now, now in court they say, present evidence from the Old Testament that says, indeed, there is the gospel. So this is what we're going to end with today. Hallelujah. This is what we're going to end with. We look at, though there are quite a number of places uh, we, could, we, can, we, can, we can find evidence in the Old Testament, but we might not look at everything because of time. Praise the name of Jesus. But first of all, before we get back there, we, before we start looking at the evidence, let's refresh our mind with our anchor scripture for this uh, series, which is Romans 1, verse 1 and 2. Praise the name of Jesus. And, and we see what we are going to be looking at as we go on. Romans 1 verse 1 and 2 says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So, verse 2 tells us to say, the prophets actually did not preach the fulfilled message. Okay? They preached a promise. So when we get to the Old Testament, what we will find are promises, okay, are prophecies. But they spoke about the sufferings. That's why we said, ignorance made men kill Christ. Praise God. Ignorance made men kill Christ. Because why? Moses prophesied. Joshua did so. Micah did so. Isaiah did so. You know, Jeremiah did so. So, yeah. And then verse 3 says, concerning his son jesus christ our lord so this is also important because you know there are a lot in courts in court there are a lot of gospels today that people speak oh there's the gospel of success gospel of prosperity but the gospel of the bible is concerning his son jesus christ the gospel of god actually is concerning the son of jesus so god has no gospel Except the one that concerns Jesus. So, if what a man claims to teach is the gospel, but it is not hinged on Christ, it is not the gospel of God. It is gospel. That's what Paul spoke about in Galatians, where he says, there is another gospel. Which he, and then he goes on to say, there's, actually, there is no other gospel. So, it's a, it's a, it's a heretic message. Okay? The gospel of God is concerning Christ. Please write that down. The gospel of God is concerning Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's get back to verse 2, which we have been um, talking about, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we have said and provided evidence that yes, actually what the apostles taught was spoken about by the prophets. But now, um, uh, let us find out from these prophets, did they actually speak about Christ? Because we have said that the gospel of God is concerning the Son. So, did these prophets speak about Christ or Tivana Mizila? So, let's go back to the Old Testament. Hallelujah. 
praise the name of Jesus. Now I told you that the word of the word gospel means good news. Okay, so when we are talking about good news or gospel, we are talking about stuff that is good about God. Okay, stuff that is good about God. So, so see, it's funny that people say we preach the gospel, but they will talk about bad stuff like God killing. How is that good news? How is it good news when somebody says God is going to curse you? That God is going to kill you? How is that good news? Would you say it's anything good? So if gospel means good news, then anything negative is not to be um, attributed to it. Okay? It's not to be attributed to the gospel of God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. So now, um, let's go to Genesis chapter chapter 3. As we begin to provide evidence. You know, somebody might say, Ah, Mubana Mizila, my prophets. They didn't talk about Jesus. Show us where they spoke about Jesus. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Did they really talk? Did Moses, did Moses actually talk about Jesus as you claim? Did Moses actually talk about Jesus as you claim. Give us that evidence. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. This is God speaking. He says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. I'm going to get back to this phrase, her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, now we all know this account we know this is after adam and eve fell and then god came around looking for adam hey bro adam where are you you know and adam says oh i hid i heard your your voice in the garden and i hid and the lord was like why 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 did you do that oh i'm actually naked you know and god said you're naked who told you and who told you you know you've lived all your life in the garden and i've never heard you say that and neither have i told you that you were naked who told you? Did you eat the food that I told you not to? You know, and then Adam begins to, you know, mumble and grumble. And he's like, oh, it's the woman that you gave me, shani shani. And God begin, began to, you know, interrogate them. He now had a, a serious conversation. Guys, you know, why did you do this? He tells this to the woman. And then he now gets to the serpent when the woman says, oh, I was... I was beguiled by this serpent. And the Lord says to the serpent. And the Lord says to the serpent. And he says. um, And he says. um, I will put enmity between you. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Her seed. And your seed. Now. I, I, I said I'm going to get back to that phrase seed because it, me, it, 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 it means something very significant. Your seed. Okay? He says your seed. Now, when it comes to procreation, giving birth, in childbearing, a woman does not provide seed. Okay? Biologists will tell you that. If there's anybody that is into science, they will tell you that a woman does not provide seed. The man provides seed in procreation. Right? The man provides seed in procreation. But here the Lord says, her seed. 
Do you know what that is talking about? That is talking about the virgin birth. Praise God. That in the birth of this seed that is going to bruise the enemy, there won't be a man involved. But rather, the woman will provide the seed. Did you get that? That the woman will provide the seed, which is what? The virgin birth. Praise the Lord. So instead of Adam, or instead of Joseph being the provider of the seed, the Lord says, Hey, this one that will bruise the, the seed of the, of the enemy will, be, will, will come through the virgin birth. It will be the seed of the woman. So uh, Bible scholars have called this verse as the Protovangelion. Protovangelion, which means the first time the gospel was preached. Protovangelion, the first time the gospel was preached. And who preached it? God himself. Praise the Lord. And they've, all, they've gone on to say, gone ahead to say, from this Protovangelion comes every other prophecy that was given in the Old Testament concerning the salvation of man. Or concerning the gospel of God. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, one of the things you will see in that verse is God taking responsibility for man's salvation. See, this is why God is so good. You know, he's so good. He, man falls. Man sins. He eats the forbidden fruit. God does not say, hey, Adam, you have to find a way out of this or you have to make sure that you bring salvation. Because remember, Adam is the representative of the entire human race. We say this severally, that the word Adam is a Hebrew name that actually means humanity. So Adam represents humanity. And everything that was in Adam would come to every human being. And that's why the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not because all have done wrong, but because Adam, the representative of man, sinned. So all men are sinners until they receive Christ. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So now, God there comes. He does not deck the responsibility on Adam and say, you will be the one that will, will bring salvation. Because he knows man has no capacity. And what does he do? He says, I will. Glory to God. I will. So one of the first things that we learn actually about the gospel of God is that God takes responsibility for man's error. Praise God. Man fell. God took the responsibility to bring man out of death. He says, I will. And everywhere you will see uh, the gospel of God talked about in the Old Testament, you will see God being the one responsible for man's salvation. And I'm going to show you uh, some evidences. So, in other words, what we can say is that the first time the gospel is spoken of, God promises to do the work for man's salvation. Right? He promises to do the work for man's salvation. Praise the name of Jesus. Let us have a look at uh, a few evidences regarding that. Uh, what I just said. Genesis, of course, Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 tells us that. Where it says, I will put an enmity. And then let's go to Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25 to 27. Quickly, let, let us be a little bit faster. 
so i'll be very fast though very very fast so that we can cover some some good ground today genesis sorry ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25 to 27 let us see god taking responsibility for man in verse 25 he says then will i hallelujah then will i sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will i cleanse you a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Praise the name of Jesus. You know, like we were told um, in the prayer time to say, you know, you know, most of the time people uh, are taught to be performers people are taught they are encouraged you say you have to live right you have to stop this you have to yes you have to and the reason why you have to is because god has put in you his spirit which will cause you to live right so in other words the gospel of god teaches us that god takes pro god is proactive in dealing with man he takes the first step he does the empowerment and man lives as per the empowerment in this case he says i will give you my spirit and because of that spirit you will be able to do my commandments you know unlike what a lot of people teach they teach live right and then god will give you his spirit but god says i will give you my spirit and that spirit is what is going to cause you to live right so the believer will only live as 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 per god's design when they recognize who they are in christ now i have the spirit of god i am righteous and so i i live righteously okay not i live righteous so that god can give me spirit no it's not the other way around so god here is showing us in these verses to say he is taking responsibility he says i will be the one to cleanse you i will take away the stony heart i will give you a heart of flesh okay i will give you my spirit praise the name of jesus and that's why we say that, that in the gospel of god the first discovery that we make is that god takes responsibility for man's salvation write that down the first thing we discover in the gospel of god or the gospel about god is that god takes responsibility for man's salvation he's not the one that sinned he's not the one that fell He's not the one that lost the glory, but he takes. That's the good news. Praise the Lord. That man was in a mess and God took his place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Isaiah 55 verse 1. This is quite a long read. Yeah. Okay. For this one, please do take time to read it yourself. Or let's quickly get there. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Uh, We might have to read 13 verses there. Isaiah 51, 55 rather. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the come ye to the waters, and ye that hath no water, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? Okay? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and, and your soul shall live. And I will make, now take note of that, 
verse 3 we are reading verse 3 and i will make an everlasting covenant with you even the sure mercies of david he says behold i have given him for a witness to the people a leader and a commander to the people he says behold thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not not a nation that 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 knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the lord thy god and for the holy one of israel for he has glorified thee now we're not going to read everything but from verse 3 he speaks of he will create an everlasting covenant and that covenant will make us his people praise the lord he will make us his people that people will see us and they will say you have been glorified by god okay so God says, I will be the one to do that. Glory to God. I will be the one to do that. So God in his inf- infinite mercies, as he says, the sure mercies of David, he decides to take your place and says, I will be the one to do the work. So the gospel of God teaches us that the work of the salvation for man is God's responsibility. I take that again. The gospel about God teaches us that the work of Man's salvation is God's responsibility. Quickly, let's read Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14. Hallelujah. I told you it's all about having evidence. Whatever you believe. This is one way your faith is strengthened. Another way your faith is, is groomed to grow. And this is how your joy is steered up. Hallelujah. You have enough evidence. See, when you have enough evidence, you are going to a court to a court case. You have enough evidence to prove your innocence. You will be joyful now. So the same thing. We are joyful when we know more about God. We know more about God's mind towards us. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14. It says, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city. Hey, glory to God. He says, You are a backsliding uh, children. Or people, but he says, I am married to you, and what will I do? I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. I will bring you to safety. You have gone astray. I will bring you to safety. Glory to God. I will bring you to safety. Let's read that from the TPT. Oh no, TPT doesn't have NLT rather. NLT. Or let me just take the the message instead of uh, going to that one. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. It says, we start from verse 12b. Turn back, fickle Israel. I am not just hanging back to punish you. I am committed in love to you. Glory to God. I am committed in love to you. It says, my anger doesn't cease nonstop. Just admit your guilt. Admit your God defiance. Admit to your promiscuous life with casual partners. Pulling strangers into the sex and religion groups. While turning a deaf ear to me, God's decree, come back wandering children. God's decree, I, yes, I, I am your true husband. I will pick you out one by one. That's the Lord speaking to you. He says, I will pick you out one by one. This one from the city, these two from the country, and bring you to Zion. He says, I will give you good shepherds, rulers who rule my way, who rule you with diligence and wisdom. Listen to me. One of the things you have to understand about salvation is that salvation is not just deliverance. But salvation is being able to be delivered and taken to safety. So God does not just deliver man and leaves him. 
he delivers him and takes him to safety. He says in Colossians 1.13, he says, he, says um, he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and has brought us to his dear son. So God delivers us and brings us to safety. So here he tells us to say, I will, I will, I will take you, pick you one by one, and then I will take you to Zion. So I will take you from wherever you are and I will bring you to Zion. That's a picture of salvation. I will deliver you and then I will bring you to safety. What does he say? I will. I will. God taking responsibility. Another verse we can look at quickly is Isaiah 52 verse 15. Isaiah 52 verse 15. Isaiah 52 verse 15. Okay, let me do this. Let me give you all the verses and then you are going to read some at your own spare time. And then, um, yeah, we'll read a few. So, Isaiah 52, verse 15, Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34, Ezekiel 11, verse 17 to 20, Jeremiah 24, verse 7, Psalm 51, verse 10, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, Jeremiah 32, verse 39. I go over those verses again. Isaiah 52, verse 10. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34. Ezekiel 11, verse 17 to 20. Jeremiah 24, verse 7. Psalm 51, verse 10. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Jeremiah 32, verse 39. So let's read Isaiah 52, verse 15. Isaiah 52, verse 15. Hallelujah. Hope you are learning something. Glory to God. Isaiah 52 verse 15 quickly let's go to that verse what does it say it says it says so shall he sprinkle many nations <laughs> so shall he sprinkle many nations the salvation plan of god is for many nations all nations actually genesis chapter 12 verse 1 to 3 it says god said to abraham come ye out of the land of thy father to a land which I will show you and I will bless you and I will multiply you. And he says, and through you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That was the gospel preached. See, those blessings God was talking about was not physical blessings. He says, through you. Because when you run to Galatians chapter 3, I think from verse 8 somewhere there, Paul explains that statement. And he says, God preached the gospel to to Abraham. He says, through you shall all the nations be blessed. So here he says, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been taught them shall they see. And that which they had not heard, they shall, con- shall they consider. So he says, he will sprinkle, he will sprinkle, he will sprinkle. Who will sprinkle? Of course, God. He's talking about God. He will sprinkle. In fact, let's read it so that you enjoy it. Uh, quickly from verse 13 from verse 13 talking about Christ himself behold my servant shall deal prudently he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high as many were astonished at thee his visage was so mad more than any man and his form more than the sons of men he's talking about his death there his sufferings right and then in verse 15 he now says so shall he sprinkle many nations Glory to God. He shall sprinkle. So again, he buttresses the fact that he will be the one that will do it. Remember the gospel about God, we said it demonstrates that God takes responsibility for man's fall. So 
uh, let's 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 read two last verses and then we move on as we round up. We're about to round up. Jeremiah thirty-one, verse thirty-one to thirty-four. Jeremiah thirty-one, verse thirty-one to thirty-four. Hallelujah. Jeremiah thirty-one, verse thirty-one to thirty-four. Excuse me. Jeremiah thirty-one, verse thirty-one to thirty-four, and I'm I'm gonna be quick about that. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, said the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, the Lord said the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it, it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, said the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Hallelujah. He says, I will be the one that will do this, guys. I, 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 I. <laughs> I, I will. Glory to God. I will. So the gospel of Christ tells us salvation is God's will for man. Salvation is God's will for many. Salvation is God's work for man. Praise the name of Jesus. So the only responsibility of man in this uh, story is first of all the sin that he caused that necessitated the need for salvation. And then number two is simply to receive the work of God for him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read the last verse. Jeremiah 32, 39. Jeremiah 32:39. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Katala monde gebayataste. Jeremiah 32:39. Jeremiah 32 and verse 39. And it says, And I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them and of their children after them. I will give them. Hallelujah. One heart. I will give them a new heart. I will give them a heart of flesh. I will give them my spirit. That's God's way. See, God, when you learn about the gospel of God, one of the things that you will discover is that God always takes the first step. See, most of the time people say, oh, you've got to provoke God for God to bless you, for God to reach out to you. You have to maybe give. You know, you have to twist his hand. You have to provoke him by doing something. No, that's not it. Glory to God. That's not it. God has, whenever it comes to man's uh, relationship with him, God always takes the first step. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned, God took the step. Adam was hiding and God came and the Bible says, he clothed them. Okay, he clothed them. Praise the name of Jesus. They, they, see, they didn't even ask him. He 